Brick Moon Fiction presents Fourth Grade by Nicholas Thurkettle Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle Sunlight had already pierced the plastic blinds over Kale Lunsford's bed, and he was awake. Still, he waited for his mother to open his bedroom door, peeking in with a polite knock. Kale? she asked. Seeing him awake, she smiled. What kind of juice do you want? Conquerberry, he answered, sitting up from his bed. His hair was a light brown disaster, and he scratched at an itch on his shoulder, a gesture that, though he didn't know it, punctured his mother's heart for how much it made him resemble his father. Oh, I don't think we have that, she answered. Purple guava, he then requested with a yawn. Mom shook her head. All out. How about pineapple? Kale nodded, then made slumping steps in his sock feet towards the bathroom. He had started this game not long after she had given him the list of fruits from around the world, and she was determined to not tire of it until he did. Once he was dressed, and made a sincere effort to help his mother with the brushing of his hair, an excitement started to take over Kale, and he asked questions. Am I going to learn more dinosaur names? Who made our panels? Will they tell me that? Do you know what books I'll get? He asked for the whole walk to the bus stop. Mom had few satisfying answers, but with a weary, happy smile, assured him that he was going to learn so much. Will I get the implants this year? was his final question. We talked about this, she nudged with a hint of impatience. Not for a few more years. Don't worry, your glasses look fine. Gyro DeRoker says they're like three years behind. Kale could be self-conscious about hand-me-downs from his older brother and was fast approaching the age where a mother's fashion sense would become the one he trusted least. You shouldn't worry about impressing Gyro, she cautioned, sighing as she remembered how little she had listened to the same warnings from her own parents. They work just fine, don't they? Kale nodded grudgingly. You're going to have so much fun today, Mom assured. Okay, he said, and barely leaving her time to kiss the top of his head, the big bus hummed into view and took him away. He claimed an empty seat by the window near the back. He and two other children shared the furthest away stop on the school bus route, and so had the longest ride every morning. Unconsciously, he pressed his thumb against the knuckle of his middle finger and traced a quick squiggle in the air with his index finger. This unlocked the display on his glasses, which were indeed behind the technological curve but still receiving support and upgrades from the manufacturer. With a few quick finger strokes, Kale brought up the locator navigator, which had the bus's regular route already saved into it. Suddenly he saw a cartoonish arrow in the air before his eyes, pointing down the road the bus was driving. An overhead view appeared in the corner of his vision, with traffic information and current incidents marked. The travel estimate told him that it would take the bus 48 minutes to arrive at April L. Blanc Elementary School, a longer trip than normal, which would leave him only six minutes to get to his desk before first bell. He saw a couple of his peers bobbing their heads, making faces, giggling as their fingers scribbled the air. It was obvious they were playing a game with each other, which they weren't supposed to be able to do without their parents or a teacher setting a link. They had probably got their glasses jacked. Some kids whined and complained until their parents caved and did it. This would then provide evidence to other kids that everyone else was doing it. Kale swiped to the state curriculum portal and logged in. Behind his closed lips, his tongue silently made the motion of the word dinosaurs. The glasses, scanning the space and shape of his mouth, recognized the word and directed him to the overview page for dinosaurs. This was the same list he had seen since the first day of third grade, 
with two major headings, lizard-hipped, saurischia, and bird-hipped, ornithischia, and then a short list of more famous names that belonged under each, spinosaurus, triceratops, that sort of thing. Thirty-three in all. Kale's mom had looked up the full list on her implants and told him that she saw well over one thousand different dinosaurs. He had begged her to read them to him, but she had too much trouble pronouncing the more obscure scientific names. He had hoped that they might have activated his fourth-grade access early because he was desperate to see more dinosaur names and learn what made them different. Tristan Rayo took the seat next to him. They were sort of friends. Both were pressed into the same social corner as some of the, quote, smart kids in class, and so they played games together when Tristan was healthy enough to come to school. Eden told me you get dwarf planets in fourth grade. Eden was Tristan's older sister and was generally reliable. I don't know if that includes dwarf planet satellites, but I already know all of Pluto's. I've been wanting to see the probe pictures of Eris and Dysmonia. I'm writing a story about them. Kale nodded and said, okay. He had been interested in planets for a while, but lately thought dinosaurs were much more interesting. Did she say how many books we were supposed to read? It's points now. Some books are worth more points than others. I guess she said the minimum is 25 points. Is that like 25 books? I think it's less because I think one point is the smallest number of points a book is worth, so there are books worth more. Okay. I read 32 books last year, so that sounds easy. My dad has written 10 books, Tristan said, squirming in the seat. Writing is a lot harder than reading. I wonder if it would be worth more points if I wrote a book. I'm going to write more books than my dad, because he didn't start until he grew up and I'm already starting to work on mine. My first book is going to be about planets, and I want to do another one about going to people's houses, only instead of people there's monsters. Tristan talked about writing stories and books a lot, but Kale hadn't seen any yet. Tristan had shown him drawings before, saying they were drawings for the books, but didn't share anything else. The remaining minutes on the bus they spent talking about a cartoon they both watched. The teacher was a short man with a big brown mustache and hair that stuck up. He tapped at his terminal and his name flashed in Carl's eyes. Mr. Hauk. Two rows behind Kale's desk, an unseen prankster made a big loogie sound with his throat, and some of the boys chuckled. Mr. Hauk tapped at his terminal and the same boy whined compliantly in response. No doubt he had seen the flashing red sign of a demerit appear in his glasses. Mr. Hauk was ready to face challenges in class. Kale didn't intend to challenge him. He had once gone more than one month and one week without seeing the demerit sign. Mr. Hauk wished them all a good morning and a welcome back to school. He projected a seating chart, an overhead view of desks with their names already input, and then he asked for everyone to link into his terminal. Kale pressed at his knuckle, squiggled the little doodle shape that was his personal passcode, and then pointed at Mr. Hauk's desk, throwing access in that direction. In a matter of seconds, his and all the other desks lit up in the seating chart. Next, Mr. Hauk walked them through the upgraded classroom networking system. In third grade, they had only access to a single school ID picture, names, siblings, and birthdays of their classmates. Now they could see a personal picture if the students had one, and if they had signed up for any sports or clubs. And there was an area for private study groups to trade messages when the teacher set them up. They could also see the same information for everyone in the other fourth grade classroom, where Tristan had been assigned. There were three new students who had either moved to town or transferred from another school, and Mr. Hauk highlighted their profiles and asked each to say a few words in front of the class. Kale drummed his fingers restlessly at his desk. He had a private notepad program, and Mom encouraged him to use it when he felt distracted. Just talk to it. Whatever words come to mind, even if they don't make sense. 
So Kale opened his notepad, and in his mouth his tongue made the word dinosaur. Dinosaur. Dino, 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 soar. He watched the words appear in the notepad, then swiped them away with his finger. The morning all-school bulletin flashed in their vision, and as requested they all stood. The words of the flag pledge appeared, though they hadn't needed the prompt for years. After that came the non-denominational affirmation of praise and good wishes for the leaders and soldiers and children. This was followed by the daily verbal disclaimer that the students were here to learn information and skills, with moral guidance being the exclusive provenance of the family. Kale and the others mumbled the appropriate responses to these and the other required prompts. Summer's vacation had done nothing to wipe them from his memories. He squiggled in vain with his finger, wishing in these moments that he could doodle a Spinosaurus devouring the words. The all-school bulletin finished with a listing of lunch selections and announcements tailored to the fourth-grade students about after-school sports. There would be a flag football team. Kale was not especially interested. At last, Mr. Hauk asked them to take their seats. He went to his terminal, unlocking it with his own finger squiggle, then inputting a long access code. He tapped a button, waited, tapped another. Kale shifted recklessly, knowing what was about to happen. Finally, a notification appeared in his glasses. Lunsford, Kale T. at B-043-24-7936 has been granted access to fourth grade curriculum. Kale smiled, his heartbeat picking up. Mr. Hauk spoke. You've all been unlocked for fourth grade. Please access math stories, day one. Kale obeyed, using the combination of tongue and finger to navigate to the assignment. A paragraph of text appeared. Zoe has 132 flowers. She wants to give an even amount of them to each of her eleven friends. How many will she have left? Kale drew the problem out with his finger. 132 divided by eleven. The glasses automatically solved the problem, showing him twelve. Seeing it come out an even number with no remainder, he drew a zero and his tongue shaped the word check. A baseball player in an all-green uniform appeared. He had a crazy happy expression on his face and was giving a thumbs up. Last year it had been a cute fox giving the thumbs up. Kale assumed he would be seeing the happy baseball player quite a lot for the next nine months. Many of his fellow students were making anguished noises. They had probably checked twelve as their answer, neglecting the real question the problem was asking. Mr. Hauk, watching his monitor, nodded approvingly in Kale's direction for being the first one correct. This made Kale happy, as it always did. On the playground, kids played tag, took turns on the swings, threw balls of various sizes. Kale and Tristan sat near the slide, idly digging their hands in the soft wood chips on the ground. Have you had a chance to look at anything on your own yet? Kale asked. Tristan shook his head. Our teacher seems pretty nice, but she tells us not to get distracted and to stick to the work. Kale responded. Mr. Hauk seems pretty strict, but so far the problems haven't been hard. Tristan agreed that the problems hadn't been a challenge. Do you know who Sanaya is? He asked. Kale frowned, recognizing the name as one he had heard. He pulled up his class roster and turned his head towards the wall. The old brick of the school building was usually the easiest thing to look at while reading on the glasses, because his didn't darken from the sunlight as quickly as the new models. She's in my class, Tristan corrected, and Kale moved his search over to that classroom and found her profile. Her picture showed braces, caramel-colored skin, short dark hair with a yellow ribbon in it. She didn't wear her glasses in her picture. Okay, I see her, Kale said. Tristan lowered his voice. So, like, you don't know her? Kale shrugged. I guess I've seen her before. But you're not friends or neighbors or something. 
No. Tristan was quiet for a few seconds. It doesn't make sense. What? Well, when we were coming out to the playground, Amara ran by with a friend of hers and said Sanaya likes kale. What do you mean? I don't know, but that's what she said, I swear. Tristan restlessly threw wood chips down in front of him with a whip of his wrist. Kale looked away from the wall and around the playground. He recognized Sanaya with a group of her friends. They were chatting while studying something in their glasses. Suddenly, Sanaya noticed Kale looking and ran under the slide. So what do I do? Kale asked Tristan. Tristan just shook his head. For a few moments, they sunk into this vast, unknowable thing. And then they started talking about the thirteen colonies that became the first states of America. The rest of the school day was interesting and dull in turn. Some of the subjects were presented in new ways, but Kale found that he adapted quickly to expectations and so had a tendency to be finished early. Most of the lessons involved decoding what answer the question was looking for and then navigating your way to it in the curriculum. Remembering didn't matter so much as remembering where to find it. Sometimes Kale wanted to say the word aloud before going to find it, because he already knew, but then he would likely earn a demerit. He wondered if a demerit took the form of a baseball player in red, but he wasn't curious enough to earn one on purpose. Mr. Hauk had the ability to unlock Kale's browsing ability so he could look over the curriculum on his own. Kale silently sent a request message for just this thing, but Mr. Hauk fixed his eyes on Kale and shook his head. Either it wouldn't happen, or it just wasn't going to happen on the first day. In those spare minutes, Kale would kick his feet back and forth on the ground, listening to his sneakers scuff along on the old tile flooring. He made buzzing, puttering sounds with his lips, and enjoyed watching a nonsense garble appear on his notebook as it struggled in vain to translate his randomness into words. Kale rode the bus home, which was always a longer journey because of traffic. Tristan had something he wanted to share. Look up the library. Kale accessed it, and a colorful shelf of books popped into view. Look at the first one on the third row, he said. Highlighting it so the cover grew to fill his vision, Kale looked it over. The artwork showed two boys with swords, standing on the shoulders of some kind of lumbering stone giant. Its giant head was between them, and all three looked out from the cover towards a distant horizon. Looks cool, Kale said. It's one of my dad's, Tristan said. It's about these brothers and this mountain that comes to life and takes them to the desert where a wizard cast a spell to stop the winter from ever coming. I've read it four times already. It's worth three reading points, so I've got a head start, but I still have to turn all the pages and take the test. Do you want me to tell you the story so you can just take the test? Kale was tempted to say yes, but shook his head and said, It's okay. I want to read it. Tristan didn't speak after that. He just bobbled his head and sometimes sang little bits of nonsense. At his stop, he shoved Kale before getting up and jogging up the aisle. See you later, he shouted, drawing out the last word. Later. Kale got home, spent some time riding his bike around the neighborhood before dinner. To celebrate the first day of school, his mom reset his barrier markers so he could ride further from the house without triggering an alarm. He rode out to the furthest point and just sat there for a while, watching the proximity warning pulse and how it measured the very small distance to the barrier. He stuck out an arm and waved his hand in that forbidden space. He was in front of Mr. and Mrs. Carini's house, and he could see their dining room through the window. Mr. Carini caught sight of him, and, feeling self-conscious, Kale stopped waving. At dinner, he took off the glasses, as Mom always asked. There was no way to know if she was looking at something in her implants, which was partially why he looked forward to having them so much. Sometimes he was sure he saw her tongue moving between bites, like she was talking to someone, 
or maybe just writing in her own private notepad as she'd encouraged him to. He told her about the day at school, and the new things he was learning, and about the book by Tristan's dad, which made her very excited. She asked if he wanted to read it together with her, and Kale shrugged, not sure how he felt about it. Finally, in the evening, after he finished his homework, Kale stayed logged into the curriculum and finally looked up the dinosaurs. There were new subheadings under the two main types, interesting-sounding words like theropoda and sauropodomorpha, and many new species. 102 total dinosaurs now. He accessed the entries on a few, mostly gawking over the models, looking at them from different angles, sometimes making growling noises as he did. He was still in that area of the curriculum when Mom put him in bed for the night. Kale wouldn't be so eager out of bed the next day. The first day was the only day of the year when you got new access. The rest of the year was mostly just story problems, drills, and discipline. He'd learn how to look things up over and over again, which he already knew how to do, and wouldn't get much time to read about dinosaurs until he got home. At least it seemed like he'd be a favorite of Mr. Houck's. The lights flipped out and Kale settled into bed. He backed out of the dinosaurs area into the curriculum main page and prepared to exit and remove his glasses. The lenses glowed slightly, illuminating the display in the dark of his bedroom. He rolled over onto his side and looked at his nightside table, which had a model of a triceratops on it, next to a lamp and some seashells from his last trip to the beach. Suddenly, he decided to ask one more question of the new curriculum the school had given him. What happened to my dad? he asked silently, his tongue shaping the words inside his mouth. There alone in his room, Mom sleeping down the hall, the house making nothing but its creaking night noises, he asked, What happened to my dad? The curriculum showed an error message. It didn't recognize the question. Kale took the glasses off and wondered if he would find out next year. Nicholas Thurkettle is a writer, actor, and filmmaker living in Southern California. He is the author of the short story collection Stages of Sleep and co-author of the sci-fi thriller novel Seeing by Moonlight and A Sickness in Time. He can be seen on screen in the independent films Reclaiming Friendship Park, Cloudy with a Chance of Sunshine, and Revelator, all of which will be in release by the end of 2017. A frequent writer and performer with the podcast Earbud Theater, his voice can also be heard in independent video games, audiobooks available through audible.com, and an obscure podcast called Brick Moon Fiction. Fourth Grade can be found in Brick Moon Fiction's very first anthology of speculative fiction, Visions on Visions, Stories from the World of Augmented Reality. You can get a free digital copy for your Kindle or iPad through the Brick Moon Fiction website or search Amazon Books. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.